Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity, a podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. Good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave AC. Welcome, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of the Big and Fruity Wine Podcast. Yes, it's sometimes called Big and Fruity when I'm trying to keep by my character limit on the Twitter post that I put. Remember, Big and Fruity is uh, the Twitter feed for this call. We also have a um, uh, WordPress site, and of course that is uh, uh, wordpress.com forward slash, uh, sorry, big and fruity at wordpress.com. Better get that the right way around. And I put that into text already as I have the TwitPic thing. There's a Facebook account for us as well. Just put big and fruity in the search engine if you're on Facebook and consider uh, joining that page. And also if you're on Google Plus, we do have a Google Plus page. Uh, we do this show live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight, uh, Eastern Standard Time as we are now, sorry. That's 10 p.m. here in the UK where I am based. These shows are uh, done live and they are done live with an audience if you come on board with me. You can either come into TalkShoe as a guest, uh, check Google to find TalkShoe and when you go to the TalkShoe page, just put in the call ID and the call ID is double one double two. And uh, be most welcome. You can either just come in and text chat during the course of the call. Uh, you can come in and set up your audio. And uh, if you're drinking a wine while you're with me, you can talk about it on air. And of course, you can find all of the past episodes on iTunes or on its own TalkShoot feed, double one, double two, seven, two. And you can even listen to them from our blog, bigandfruity.wordpress.com. Well, I think that's enough adverts, don't you? Yes, welcome to episode 69, and the title for today's show is A Fizzy New Year. Now, yes, I know. If you're listening to this shortly after I upload it, you may not yet have celebrated Christmas. You may, of course, have just celebrated Christmas 2020. I don't know. Isn't that exciting? That's assuming that this... uh, is it Minoan calendar or whatever? It doesn't mean that the end of the world is coming. Hopefully we're still going to be here, even though we've had rockets crashing into the moon on purpose. Luckily, it wasn't anything like Space 1999, where the moon flew off and left the Earth and caused devastation. So let's assuming we're all going to be here for New Year. Last week, last Tuesday on the 11th of December... Uh, we did episode 68 of the Big and Fruity Wine podcast, and we were talking about Christmas wines. Now, why am I doing these things so early? Well, the whole point is, um, there's no point in me telling you what wine, not telling you, giving my advice or opinion on wines for Christmas Day, and you hearing about it on Christmas Day or the day after. So, of course, I wanted to get that episode out uh, in time for your big shop for Christmas. And that's exactly why we're doing this week a fizzy new year when it is actually only the 18th and we've got another 13, 12, 13 days to new year. In fact, I think it's 14 days, uh, two weeks from today. Next week, next Tuesday is Christmas Day and two weeks time, new year. But you knew that without me having to tell you. And um, 
Now, I don't often drink a fizzy wine, so I've uh, pushed the boat out a little bit. Now, I have taken one slight precaution, is um, I bought a half bottle. Yes, um, I bought champagne. Oh, yes, David, I bought champagne. It's um, it's Tesco's finest. Uh, it's um, champagne, premier crew brutes, uh, and I've got it here. It's been out of the fridge about 15, coming up to 20 minutes now. It is unopened because part and parcel of what we're going to be talking about today is uh, some of the ways that are suggested to actually open the wine. Now, I haven't got, and I'll admit this, I haven't got a specific champagne flute, but I've got a fairly narrow stemmed glass uh, a white wine one and it's fairly narrow stemmed uh, and I think it will do absolutely brilliantly for the job at hand um, I have got my glass I've got the half bottle and I have got a towel yes because I'm going to uh, open it up on uh, and if it doesn't make too much of a thing and if I don't fire the cork into my uh, um, monitor screen and uh, end the recording rather quickly we shall be able to taste it from there. And then, of course, I will be me mentioning the uh, TwitPick link that I have to uh, an image of the wine that I have already put up. So um, talk amongst yourselves, and I will try and do this fairly quickly. All I have done up to now is I've uh, made sure I can get through um, the foil that surrounds the cork. So I'll just finish ripping that off. Uh, there's just me, by the way, in the room, and this podcast will last uh, three quarters of an hour, 45, 50 minutes, maybe, with just me in. If we get somebody else in the room on audio, we may run a little longer. Okay, that's the foil off. We now encounter a sort of wire cage with a little handle that I pull down to 90 degrees, and I can untwist that to loosen the cage. Now, I've looked at a couple of videos. Some say you can leave that uh, wire on. Others say take it off, but it might actually help you with your grip at the bottle. Bottle. Now, what I'm going to do is I've got um, a tea towel here, small tea towel, which I'm going to fold into quarters. And I'm going to put my right hand, because I'm right-handed. Oh, well, I'll do it left-handed. That's right. I will hold the towel in my left hand, uh, drape that over the top of the cork, with my hand over the top of the cork. Some people put their thumb over the end, but I'm actually holding it down round it. I'm holding the bottle at a 45-degree angle and making sure it's pointing at an innocuous part of the room. And this is the bit where you're supposed to show that you know what you're talking about. Because what you do do to do is you don't turn the cork to get the cork out of the bottle, you turn the bottle and firmly hold the cork. The cork should not move and you should ease the resistance by turning the bottle maybe clockwise towards you and uh, you may just pick up on the headphones a small pop. If you hear a really big bang, don't dial 911 or 999. I'm sure I will be safe and I will speak out momentarily. There's the excitement building up, certainly is at my house. So let's got the tea towel over the, the cork. I've got a grip of the tea towel and the cork, not holding the bottle at the top, holding the bottle at the bottom, and it's facing safely away from lights and uh, monitors and so on. So let's try it. Oh, is it coming? Let's hope you hear the pop. I hope you heard that. That was a very satisfying pop. And, uh, again, uh, one of the videos that I will be mentioning but not playing says that rather than just pour the bottle completely over, bring the glass up to a, so that basically the glass is at a 45-degree angle, so's the uh, uh, bottle, and we'll pour... I think we'll pour a good measure of this. It is... Um, only 12.5%. I'm wondering if that fizzing noise was being picked up there. 
So I poured a goodly measure of champagne. It's a very, well, it's paler than straw colour, much paler than that. Should have talked about those colour things. It's almost a, um, <laughs> David, do you know what I was going to say, folks? I was going to say, it's almost a champagne colour. Uh, it is champagne, but it is a lovely, very pale, subtle colour there, and it looks absolutely beautiful. And enough of that, I want to dive in. Oh, that is delicious. It's got a bit of a toasty taste to it as well. Mm. And it's got that sort of, I know it's going to be down, it's that sort of almost slightly custardy taste to it. And I've heard Os Clark talk about that before. Uh, never really believed him, but yes, it's got, let me have another taste. Do you know, that is absolutely lovely. Let me put the glass down. Let me put the Twitpick link in the room. So what I have in front of me is from Tesco's, which is one of the big supermarket chains here in the UK. Uh, one of their finest selections. It's a product of France, of course. It's Premier Cru Brut. I'll explain these things in a minute, I hope. Uh, 12.5%. It hasn't actually got a year on this. It doesn't say 2011 or anything. If you were to drink the whole content, it would be just under five units. Just doing a double check. Suitable for what vegetarians. It's got a rating of two, meaning crisp and dry. Oh, I'm just enjoying it. I'll read what it says from the back of the label in a moment. But I want to read out the um, TwitPick link. This is a TwitPick link to the Big and Fruity Twitter account. And remember, these are all in small case. And it reads as follows. Twitpick.com forward slash BN5OWP. So as I refresh that page, uh, which will be the second time I've gone out a look, uh, it's, while well, read it again, again, it's Twitpick.com forward slash BN5OWP. And it has been viewed. 20 times, well, 18 times if you discount myself. Um, and I'm going to have another sip. See what else I can taste. On the nose, there's a slight citrus. Um, trying to... Is it... The butter is wrong. It, I'm going to have to taste. It's lovely. And lovely, lovely fine bubbles in it. Lovely little frisson that gives to it. And it's got a long aftertaste. And we've got... It's, it's sort of peachy and it's slightly buttery. A little bit of vanilla. And almost that slight custardy taste to it but it's very very nice indeed uh, 10 pounds it was but of course it's only a half bottle so that's equivalent to a 20 pound bottle that's equivalent to 30 dollar champ bottle of champagne so we're not we're not drinking the top end stuff by any means but on the other hand we're we're drinking something that has a little bit of uh, pedigree with the uh, premier crew Okay, well, let me just go uh, and have a look at um, a couple of links. Now, the first thing I'm going to go and look at in relation to this drink is a lovely little uh, page. And this is, it's called Californian Champagnes. Of course, I'm drinking French one, but it's got this handy little guide. So I'll put the link in the room. And the link reads www.californiachampagnes, that's all one word, dot com 
forward slash brute HTML. And we're going to go and talk about what brute means. And brute, of course, spelled B-R-U-T. And I'll read what it says on this particular page. Um, and it says, Brute is a term applied to the dry champagne and sparkling wines. Brute wines are drier, which means they contain less residual sugar than those labelled extra dry. Extra brute denotes a wine that's extremely dry, sometimes totally dry. Totally dry sparkling wines, those that aren't sweetened with a little dosage, are also sometimes called brute nature, or brute integral. Now, that's something new I did not know indeed. Okay, so there's a little chart here, and it goes from dry towards sweet. So we have the level of dryness and the amount of residual sugar uh, in uh, per litre. So the extra brute, which I don't think I would like, this is as dry as I would like it, I think. Extra brute is 0.6% uh, of residual sugar. The brute, which is the one I, I'm drinking now, commonly has 1.5% of residual dry sugar. Extra dry, which seems funny because extra dry is less dry than brute. So just remember that extra dry is not drier. Extra dry is 1.2 to 2% uh, residual sugar. Sec is 1.7 to 3.5% residual sugar. Demi-sec, we're going sweeter all the time, remember. So demi-sec is sweeter than sec. Demi-sec is 3.3 to 5% residual sugar. And do, that's spelled D-O-U-X, not sure how that's pronounced, is at least 5% R plus residual sugar. So just bear that in mind. If you, if you don't like dry wines, you're probably best to look for a demi-sec or a sec champagne. Uh, and confusingly to me at least, if I saw a brute and an extra dry, I must admit I would have thought the extra dry was drier than brute, but it's not the brute. And of course, the brute is probably the one that most people are aware of that uh, uh, standard. So that's from um, California Champagnes. So thank you to that page. Awful lot more on that site for you to go out and check. But uh, just reading that little small piece. Now, um, we want to know a little bit about, um, let me get the link, let me get the link, David. Um, I'm sure I had that a minute ago. I've got so many links open here. Oh, yeah, we've got it. Sorry, I, that was it. I have got another link talking about Brute, so... Let's just go to this page and let me read what it says. This is um, uh, drinkwhatyoulike.wordpress.com uh, and this is uh, one of the articles, What Does Brute Mean Anyway? Um, and let's read a little bit of this. I want you to go to the page. It has similar specifications, but um, let's uh, read a little bit further down. Uh, and this is quite good. Here's some more basic items to note. Champagne is always a sparkling wine, but sparkling wine isn't always champagne. Only sparkling wines from Champagne region of northern France are entitled to be called champagne. Champagne is almost all is produced using one or more than one of three permitted grape varieties Chardonnay and by the way I'm pretty sure that the one I'm drinking is Chardonnay based especially with those attributes to the tasting Pinot Noir and Pinot and again a word I'm struggling to pronounce Meunier so I'm going to spell that word out it's M-E-U N-I-E-R. I do apologise for my pronunciation. So it's Chardonnay, Pinot Noir 
and Pinot Meunier, which I assume obviously is another subgrouping of the Pinot grape. In Italy, the term spumante is used for sparkling wines. In Spain, Carver is used for sparkling wines. And in Germany, they use the term Sket, and that is spelt S-K-E-T. And um, uh, there's a link here, which I will talk about in a minute, that he links onto uh, a Wikipedia page. So there's an awful lot of stuff there. And um, I do recommend, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm wondering whether I really should uh, put them on my, um, what's the word, um, on my links on my page. Just let me bookmark that one, just in case I didn't bookmark it, because that is really good information. Of course, you can, I should just say, that you can get other sparkling wines. Obviously, you can get, you know, uh, uh, sparkling uh, rosés and sparkling uh, uh, blush wines and so on. Pink champagnes might be called. Okay. Um, ah, yes. Before I go on to that, I, uh, I did find the page for this Tesco wine. So let me put that link in the room. And before I do it, well, I put it in for a reading out. Let me have another taste. I'm trying to think what else is coming out. Now it's warming up slightly. There's definitely a longer aftertaste. I'm not saying it's a nutty aftertaste, but there's... I'll have to try and work out what that is coming through towards the end there. Hmm. Toasty, perhaps. Toasty. Oh, we'll see. Okay, this is uh, a link from uh, www.tesco.com forward slash wine. And if you put in Tesco Finest Premier Cru Champagne Brut. Now, let me see what it says about it. Uh, this is the actual link to the full bottle. But we have got... Key facts. Obviously, it's from France. From the region of Champagne. Great variety. It's, oh, it says Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. So we've got two Chardonnay and Pinot Noir in this um, ride. So, uh, obviously, as we know, uh, Pinot Noir isn't a, a white grape, but it is used in Champagne. Now, the skin's right. Now, I wonder what that's bringing to it. Now, that's... Perhaps that's bringing the toastiness. Um, and as it's warming up, there's definitely more flavour coming to my mouth now. Okay, it's a non-vintage wine. The producer is Union Champagne. The winemaker is Yannick Collette. At natural cork stopper, it says, special diet, vegetarian, and 12.5%. And it's won some awards. It's... Um, A couple of awards here. Can't quite see what that emblem is. Oh, that's the IWSC award. And what's the other one? Looks like Wine Guide. Unfortunately, it doesn't actually explain about those without going to another page. Let's see what it says with some of the customers' reviews. A biscuity! Sorry, sorry, didn't, didn't mean to shout in your ear there. Uh, just read something here. Um, Best non-vintage by Cole Gadget. This is a review. Only, blimey, this review only went up uh, on the 11th of December. So that's only went up a week ago. Biscuity with plenty of fizz. Best non-vintage I can find. Let's have another taste. I think that man might be right. Let me have a read at companies. I'm dwelling on this and taking more time than I 
I expected to, but really, you know, we're in a holiday mood, aren't we? It's one week to Christmas, and I'm talking about New Year wines here, and uh, I think the fizz is going to my head. Um, let's put what Neelax78 writes. This was on the 13th of December. We would normally import our champagne direct from the grower, but this wine is fantastic, both in value and on the palate. Lots of lovely bullets. Bubbles, they're working already, aren't they? Lots of lovely bubbles, excellent aroma. Bought 90 bottles for our son's wedding and had it delivered to the front door. What more could be easier? Blimey, there's a fan. Really good by Josie B. <clears throat> Written again on the 11th of December. It tastes lovely, not too dry, smooth, and not unlike expensive champagne. Ideal for entertaining at Xmas times. Wow. Uh, and I'm not just skipping over bad reviews. They don't, they're don't. mostly positive. By Desi, December the 9th, 2012. I didn't think an own brand champagne could be as good as some of the famous branded ones, but this Tesco offering is better than some, and a very reasonable price. Well worth getting. Let me just go down and just make sure I'm I'm not just picking and choosing. Let's go here. What's this? Uh, Willie Hell uh, from the 5th of December 2012. Uh, and most of these give it four stars, by the way, or maybe even five stars. A, sh- a champagne with two out of three usual grape varieties. It has the more elegant grapes of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and it is a great value, lighter style. It does not have the brioche style of Bollinger, but if that is not to your liking, then this is more easily approachable in style. Wow. Well, let me. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm dwelling longer on this, guys. Uh, so. I realise that people in the States might think, well, that's not going to be a wine that I'm going to be able to get. But certainly people who are from the UK, um, this might be... I mean, let's face it, this is a half bottle, costs £10. If you're a couple at home, uh, or when you return home from a party or whatever, and you just want a final toast to the new year, you get what you'll get three glasses out of this, I would think are two very generous ones. Uh, and to toast in the new year, I don't think you can have very better value at the sort of things that are happening at the moment. Let's see if I can read one more, and then we'll move on. Right, a firm favourite by Johnny Mac 21 This was posted on the 25th of October 2012. We tried this premier, uh, premier crew when it first received a gold award many years ago. Plus the bonus of being at a special price as well. So win-win for us. We really liked it immediately. It was how, and it's, sorry, we really liked it immediately. And it has now become a firm family favourite. Especially with my wife who loves it. Great value as well. Wow. And these are lots of people giving it five stars. So I think I chose rather well. Gosh. Here's a fuller review, and I'll make this the last one. Apologize for spending so much time with here, but, you know, this is what we do. We go with the flow. Outstanding to good to give away. Now, I think that should be two with a double O. Outstanding. Too good to give away. Eh? No. And too good. Right, let's read it. Uh, Little old wine drinker. This was on the 24th of October. I thought I would try this wine as it was such a good buy at around 40% off. You will not be disappointed even if you pay the full price. It's worth every penny. A rich Oh, I like it. Listen, a rich champagne, creamy undertones. That's what I was getting. Smooth, velvety, bursting with flavours. Far more flavoursome than some of the top non-vintage branded names. Made from Chardonnay and Pinot grapes from Premier Cru Vineyards. The winemaker is Yannick Collette. This is now my 
by far the nicest champagne that I have tasted in the last two years at least. I was going to give them a, as a Christmas present as I bought 12 bottles. They will not be leaving my house unless they are empty. And the service I received from Tesco was excellent. Well, well, there you go. And I could keep on reading more of these, but uh, I feel as though I should not do that. Um, so let me just... Um, I'm going to try and uh, get rid of uh, some of these pages. Uh, now, I'm just going to read briefly, because I, I didn't talk about this, and that is um, a little explanation of what Premier, Premier Crew means. And of course, you've got a little sense of that from that last quote, meaning, meaning of course, it's from the better uh, vineyards. But let's read what it says at uk.ask.com. What is and what is Premier Cru Champagne? And a very brief thing here. Um, Premier Cru Champagne is a French language, French language wine phrase corresponding to first growth. The term can also be used to refer to classified wineries, vineyards, and wines having different meanings in different wine regions. For Burgundy wine, the word is applied to classified vineyards, where for Bordeaux wine, it is applied to classified wineries. But we're talking about, of course, we're in the higher tier quality of things. We're not getting the remnants uh, not used in their grape varieties. And you know something? Um, I'm tempt if I wasn't talking to you people, um, I would be tempted now to go and uh, I've just poured some more out. I'd be tempted to put the second half of this bottle back in the fridge just to bring the temperature down a little bit. Um, but it's fine at the moment, but um, I think I'll have to just chill the rest of it before I drink it a little bit later tonight. Lovely. Okay, let me get rid of that link. Now, um, I'm going to, I've got lots of little pages ready and prepared here, but um, before I just uh, go to some of the pages, I want to refer back to my old uh, pocket wine book. And um, I do hope somebody's going to buy me a new one this Christmas because mine is from 2008. And I really do feel as though I need an updated one because one of the great things about this uh, little pocket book is at the front inside cover and at the back inside cover it has um, uh, links to all the vintages um, the newer vintages at the front and the older vintages at the back because it only goes up to I think it only goes up to 97 and of course that doesn't include the beautiful um, 2001 vintage in uh, in the in France and so on and I've lost my page now doing that, you silly boy, David. Here we are, found it. Um, if you have the book yourselves, this is the Os Clark book. It's um, on page 276 of my edition, anyway. And I'm just going to read a little bit from his opening paragraph on sparkling wines of the world. Okay, let me read this by Os Clark. Although Champagne is still the benchmark for top-class sparkling wines all over the world, the Champagne houses themselves have taken the message to California, Australia and New Zealand via wineries they've established in these regions. However, Champagne, uh, champagne Method Fizz doesn't necessarily have to feature in the traditional Champagne grape varieties, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier. And this allows a host of other places to join the party. Describing a wine as champagne method is strictly speaking no longer allowed. Only original champagne from France is officially sanctioned to do this. But the use of a phrase like traditional method should not distract from the fact that these wines are still painstakingly produced using the complex system of secondary fermentation in the bottle itself. Now, Really, if I had time, and I'm just going to check the time I've already been talking. David, you've been talking for good grief, man. Um, what I might try and do, um, and let me have a look. Yes, uh, I have. That was the other reason, of course, I'm talking about. 
things like this is there will be no big and fruity next week on the 25th the uh, very next big and fruity will actually be it won't actually it won't be on the first it will be the uh, the 8th of january because uh, luckily for me um this christmas and just a bit of interesting well not interesting background but some sort of personal background uh, in our particular family we take turns doing the christmas meal and that beautiful task falls to me this christmas so i'm cooking christmas dinner uh <laughs> i went to the supermarket today and uh, i didn't get any of the main christmas stuff i was just getting what you might call the condiments and i spent over 70 pounds spent about 110 dollars on just buying condiments and things you know things where i looked in the pantry and thought well i can't use that it's a year old uh so i was I chucked it in all. I must have chucked thirty quid's worth, fifty dollars worth of stuff, out of the pantry, and I got all these sort of, you know, all the sort of things, you know, the, um, you know, the pickles and the sauces and apple sauce and uh, all sorts of bits and bobs that add up to a tremendous cost when you add it all up. I've not done the main shop, of course, so I'm doing that. But my reward is that on New Year's Day, uh, I will be treated to an even better meal by my cousin who will uh, do better than me, I'm sure. Uh, and luckily, it's not my turn to drive to that event either. Uh, and so I will be taking a sparkling uh, wine to that. One of the sparkling wines I got from Naked Wines. But, um, you know, um, I should have really allowed time for today to talk about the different ways in which the sparkle, the, the fizzes got into the wine because the, there's some ways some people will call uh, a cheating way. Uh, perhaps we'll see what I, I read from the wiki pages today. Maybe if I remember, we'll talk about it the next time I do a sparkling wine, which probably will be in a couple of months' time and it won't be a champagne. And maybe we can talk about the different ways in which the, um, you know, the, the, the way of producing the wines um, Uh, and of course, um, we've got here lots more in the page about, um, and I mentioned, of course, about the Spanish carvers and so on, and the different countries have their different names for sparkling wines. And of course, in the UK, this is a very, very hot issue because some of the firms from the Champagne region have actually bought land in southern England. The chalk downs and some of the south-facing slopes are not only as good as champagne regions in terms of how they possibly could be developed because of the way of quote unquote global warming some people say that the that some of the southern areas of the UK are actually conditions very similar to how France was in the 1940s and 50s and 60s and in actual fact you know really excellent quality and I think if you listen back to one of my big and fruity episodes way back I think I played some audio clips of people talking about tasting English sparkling wines so do check back those of course when you go if you subscribe to me uh, on the big and fruity wine podcast on iTunes you can download all the past episodes there'll be 60 odd nearly 70 by the time you've listened to this so I'm not going to read any more from Oz Clark's book, but thank you, Oz, for that little reference. And um, we're 38 minutes. You, you do witter on, man. All right, OK, I'm going to go quickly to... Um, oh, yes, let's go to this link before I go to the wiki page. And this is um, another lovely link that I found. Again, I'm only going to mention a little bit of the content. And this is richardgrantwine.com forward slash aboutchampagne.html. And there's no spaces or gaps in our underscores in that. So it's richardgrantwine.com forward slash aboutchampagne.html. And um, let's read just a little bit of what is on here. Okay. Sparkling wine champagne is indeed different from still wine. 
in how it tastes, how it looks, how it feels in the mouth, and how it is taxed. Oh, those tax people get everywhere, don't they? Let's find out. Now, uh, I don't want to read this. I want you to go to this person's site. But I am going to read two little bits. First about the earliest winemaker, Dom Perignon, and then a little bit about um, English champagne, quote-unquote. And please go and check out this really good, high-quality blog site. Dom Perignon. The earliest winemakers could see that fermenting wine gave off bubbles of gas. As most of the world's earliest wines were consumed very soon after fermentation, we can surmise that the first wine drinkers liked the taste of CO2 bubbles in their wine. Without containers to store it in, they either drank it right away or it spoiled. But it was only after wine containers could be sealed well enough to prevent the escape of fermentation CO2 that true sparkling wine was born. (laughs) Now we're not talking about the 18th, 19th century, 20th century here. The story begins, and I'll stop here, in 1668 when a Benedictine monk named Dom Perignon was appointed head cellarer. Oh, those monks, they didn't suffer that much, did they? Uh, Head cellarer at the Abbey of Hautevilliers near Reims in the French district called Champagne. His experiments are credited with producing the first deliberate sparkling wine in the world. This was a wine so unique and so dramatic that it assumed the name of the whole district Champagne. And one more bit, brilliant, brilliant blog this. <clears throat> and this is just a little bit about English Champagne, quote unquote. Again, I'm just going to read a little bit about this. In telling the Champagne story, we must carefully be careful not to shortchange the English. It's not just that I feel special closeness to the village of uh, Rotham in Kent, England. In truth and fairness, the English may have been producing sparkling wine for a full decade before Dom Perignon did. They certainly had been producing strong glass bottles by that time. They also used court, the only other necessary necessity sorry, for champagne, long before the Champagnese did. English wine merchants were receiving new wine in casks from Champagne each winter. It is likely that they bottled some of it before all the original sugar had fermented. When the remaining fermentation took place in spring, they had unique carbonated Champagne to enjoy. What a great sight. That's, I'm going to read that out again because I want you to go and visit this uh, site. Richard Grant Wine. RichardGrantWine.com I'm going to bookmark that, and I think I should try to remember to make that um, on my blog roll for the uh, Big and Fruity at WordPress.com. Great, great one. Okay. Uh, now, I'm going to, having read that, just give another link to a wiki page, which I was going to talk about, but we've gone over 40 minutes now, uh, and that is the history of champagne. So do check out wikipedia.org forward slash wiki, forward slash history of champagne. That's with underscores. And there's an absolute wealth of material there. And it even includes the English influences then. Um, so there's anything I read. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Way down the page, from sweet to brute. Uh, let's just read a little bit of this. Throughout the most of the 19th century, champagne was made sweet. The taste was pleasing to most wine drinkers and the added sugar helped winemakers cover up the flaws in the wine of poor quality from less desirable grapes. Champagne houses would use the dosage to tailor the sweetness to whatever the style was of fashion in a particular market. The Russian preferred the sweetest level with as much as 250 to 330 grams of sugar added. The Scandinavian was next at around 200 grams followed by France at 165 grams. Germany was slightly more, and the United States preferring between 110 and 165 grams. The English preferred the driest style at 22 to 66 grams of sugar. Gradually, taste develops to favour less sweetness and overall higher overall quality in the champagne. Wow, there's absolutely a plethora of stuff here to read so I'm going to get rid of that 
And I think um, I'm going to give you just basically a couple of links now and let you explore on your own. I'm certainly going to stop at 50 minutes, far long enough of me talking continuously. And this is um, wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash champagne. And again, it shows a, a map of the Champagne Appellation highlighted in red there. And we're in the north-central France, slightly north-eastern. Um, oh, yes, Riddling, I think that's the one thing I should mention. Um, method Champagnese. The traditional method by which champagne is produced, after primary fermentation and bottling, a second alcoholic fermentation occurs in the bottle. The second fermentation is induced by adding several grams of yeast. Uh, usually each brand has its own secret rep recipe and several grams of rock sugar. Um, this means that champagne will be very good and it has to mature at least three years. During this time, the champagne bottle is sealed with a crown cap similar to that used in beer bottles. After aging, the bottle is manipulated either manually or mechanically Oh, in a process called remunage. I'm going to spell this out. R-E-M-U-A-G-E. -E. So, so that the leaves, L-W-E-S, settle in the neck of the bottle uh, um, the bottle is facing down, of course, at this point. And as I've just joined in the room by guest two, uh, guest two, I am uh, fairly um, late on in today's wine podcast. I'm just been talking about champagne. If you're in the pro client, you'll be able to see the different links that I've been putting in. I'm currently on a wiki page talking about um, the the way that. Um, the French method of getting the um, champagne. I am drinking myself um, from a half bottle of champagne, uh, a Premier Cru, which is a brute, and that is a um, fairly dry version of the wine. And let me see if I can put a link in to the TwitPic picture of the wine I'm drinking. It costs here in the UK from Tesco's £10, so that's would be equivalent to a $30 bottle if it was a full bottle of champagne. But I'm currently, as I get to the 50-minute mark, rapidly going through some of the links, and I'm talking about um, the method of uh, moving the bottles, turning the bottles to get the maximum benefit from that extra sugar and yeast added to the wine and very quickly, I'm going to also, since I've put the link in for Champagne, I'm also going to put the wiki page into for Sparkling Wine, and there you'll be able to read up the differences on that as Guest 2 drops out. Thank you for coming in. Uh, I think that's because I'm so near to the end. So that's um, wikipedia.org forward slash uh, um, Sparkling Wine. And I think I'm going to draw to a close very soon. I'm going to put the link to the carver, the Spanish wine, wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash carver and um, allow you to read. And I'm actually going to go to the next pages extremely quickly. If you wanted to visually see about opening the wine, I've got two uh, YouTube pages and links. Very difficult for me to read these links out, but I will say if you go to Wikipedia, the first link is called. If you go to sorry, if you go to YouTube. Go put into YouTube. You're doing it all wrong. How to opening sparkling wine? It's a one minute thirty nine second video. It's had nearly sixty thousand viewings. It's on the Chow users C H A W. Uh, page, uh, really great information there, and another link I will put in the room as we come to the close of today's show is um, again YouTube, and the pr title is really simple how to open a bottle of sparkling wine, and this is the 
Real Simple Network, and that's had just over 6,000 viewings, and that is 1 minute 24 seconds. Remember, I they use, I think, the, set, the method I use of putting a tea towel over the court. So with that at 30, 50 minutes, let me um, just bring us to, I think, the end of episode 69. I'm going to refer you back to the torture page for this call, double one, double two, seven two. And just to mention that um, the, uh, blimey, I got the wrong link there. It's my own blooming show. That must be wasted. Uh, yes, uh, next episode will be episode 70, and that will be on the 8th of January. And we will be talking wine at affordable prices, assuming we're all a little bit less wealthy in the new year. So I am hoping if you're hearing this before Christmas 2012, uh, I wish you a Merry Christmas. If you're listening to it after that, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas but have a seasonal holiday, I hope you have some sort of celebration that goes alongside your faith. And if it is not yet New Year, hope you've enjoyed listening to me uh, drinking champagne and talking about it. And um, I hope you do have a new year. We're all here to celebrate the next year coming up, 2013. So with that, very, very best wishes from myself, Dave AC. And I'm going to play my Podsafe jazz outro music and catch you in not one week. That's the uh, 25th. That's Christmas. Not in two weeks. That's the f- uh, 1st of January New Year, but on the 8th of January, 2013. Bye-bye for now. Thank you ever so much for listening. Bye-bye. Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.